0: Hello, and welcome to the How the Deal Was Done podcast. This show will feature fast-paced interviews with top sellers. We will hear the hard-earned stories, the challenges, and the learnings they picked up from their biggest and most memorable deals. We hope this podcast will give you a bit of inspiration and understanding for how big deals get done, deals that positively impact your customers, your company, and level up your career as a seller. Let's get started. Welcome to this episode of How the Deal Was Done. I'm very excited to welcome Matthew Klingner. Matthew is a global account executive at IBM with an emphasis on global as he recently relocated to Munich, Germany.
1: Matthew, welcome. Andrew, thank you so much for having me. It's really a delight to be here.
0: This is going to be a, a great deal story and a fun conversation. So to get started, why don't you give us a little bit of background on, on your journey, which is has quite a a lot in that. And then we'll talk about the deal story.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what I like to tell people is I've been in sales for 12 years. But what's interesting about my story, and I know I'm not unique, is the first three years that I was in sales, I hated it. I never hit quota. And believe it or not, I never even personally closed a deal. And it was not the company or the products. There were It was an incredible company with great solutions and and customers were buying them. The thing was, I didn't understand what sales was about. I thought that sales was about talking about products and I would cold call and talk about the products. And if someone was interested in a meeting, I would show up and talk about the products. And that's how I thought that deals got done is you talked about the products and the details. And eventually the customer said, great here's some money. We want to move forward. And that's not what sales is at all. In the decades since then, I've learned that sales is about solving client challenges and delivering business outcomes. And that's where I focused. I actually left sales in 2017, thinking that I never wanted to do it ever again in my life. And I eventually got back into sales. And that time It was as if I had a totally different profession because I made this decision that I wasn't going to give up trying to get better. And I started listening to books, podcasts. I took courses. I got coaching. And I learned that everything about sales can be taught. Anyone can learn it. It's just solving challenges. And so now when I approach my work with clients, I do a few things. I focus on solving challenges, delivering outcomes, either reducing expenses or saving saving money, increasing efficiency, increasing output, being able to tap into new markets. I focus on the clients that we have helped. What have we done for them? What did it mean for them? Why is it so significant? Why is it important? And my role is to paint that vision for the client and help them get there. That's what is so incredible about sales is we are in the job of helping people. And in the, in the years since, I've I've ended up becoming very successful and, and very good at, at selling and, and closing large opportunities and managing larger and larger territories. And it's been an incredible, incredible journey. And I'm really grateful for all of the people that have helped me and, and paved the path so that I could have this beautiful life that I have.
0: That's a great setup, Matthew. I'm, I'm curious... From your, when you first got started, did you first start in enterprise sales or were you doing strategic sales and have you, or excuse me, transactional sales? Have you noticed a big difference between transactional selling and enterprise selling?
1: Absolutely. So, Andrew, great question. I, my career is kind of interesting. I started in large enterprise sales and then I moved to work in startups, actually. I worked for three different startups and that's where I really learned how to sell because I had to get so creative. So scrappy, so tenacious to win deals at those startups, and now I'm back in large enterprise sales. But what is, yeah, what's incredible about that is I now have the the influence and the reach of being in enterprise sales, but I have all of that creativity and scrappiness that I learned at those startups. So it's a really great combination right now, and, and things are going really well. To your second question, Is there a difference between transactional selling and enterprise selling? Absolutely. It's almost two totally different jobs. Transactional selling, we are essentially selling marginal improvements. We're selling widgets. We're selling products. It's generally a very simple sale. It's easy to sort of memorize the pitch or the script. And you're just rinsing and repeating, calling in, making the pitch. Hey, this is Matthew with blank company, we do this for this. And my success, generally our, our success is dictated by our hustle, how many calls we're making, how many meetings we're having, how many times we're making the pitch, how many times we are doing, doing the, the, the actions of, of the transactional sale? it's usually the decision is made by one to three people, it's generally not a large sale. Enterprise selling is totally different. We are managing, and I'm going to talk about one, multi-million dollar opportunity where there were over a hundred people involved. There were three different business units. We had three different solution groups from my large enterprise company that I work for. We were managing a really complex series of events, series of decision-making steps, and It it is an entirely different approach. It's not made by a small group of people, the decision. It's made by a very large number of people. We had over 40 people from the client that had to weigh in and sign off on this decision. So there are some things that are definitely parallels between the two, but it is an entirely different sale and it requires a totally different approach.
0: That's great. Marginal versus transformational, big, big difference. So why don't we set up this deal? Could you tell us why this deal and, and set the the backstory?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I sell AI solutions, and my territory is large manufacturing companies. I work with 10 of the largest manufacturing companies in the world, and they are they currently have some level of footprint with our organization this client specifically is located in the midwest and they had a small footprint with our solutions and we had great relationships there and what we were looking at doing we started in a way that i prefer to start most client engagements especially when we have the, the really the, the the privilege of having clients that are already using our solutions is i reach out and i say hey when was the last time we did a client appreciation event? And usually clients will say, client appreciation event? I, I think it's been a while. I don't know if we've ever had one. Really? Okay, we, we have to get one on the books. And then what I do is I plan some kind of fun event. It could be a, it's and usually really simple. It could be golf. It could be a special dinner. For this for this instance, we did a, a really cool dining experience overlooking Lake Michigan. And what I have found is that although the setup of the meeting and the intention behind it is the same intention as as a lot of our meetings, but it's not billed as, hey, let's sit down and see what other solutions we can sell you, which is how I think a lot of us have approached this in the past. It's set up as appreciating the customer, talking about what the partnership has meant for them. And in those events, we get the decision makers to participate. We get the decision makers to join in. And so this was an executive session where through this dinner, we uncovered some major initiatives that the company was focused on. And those initiatives included being, they had this five-year vision of the factory of the future. They had a number of investments that they were looking to make, a number of major changes that they wanted to, to achieve as a company. And we had discussed really the the main focus of their whole business unit, the manufacturing business unit. And mentally, of course, we're just keeping a list of all these big objectives, all the things that are standing in the way for them to achieve it. And we turned that initiative, all of those big objectives into a plan that we, as the enterprise company, could help them solve. And all of the ways that we could solve again, focusing on client outcomes and solving challenges, we focused all of our approach on how we could help them be that better business that they wanted to be The solutions that I sell are I sell about a hundred different AI enterprise solutions and a few of them together could solve the problems not everything that they were looking at doing as a company but could be a really important part of that process of becoming the company that they wanted to be so that is how we started executive alignment big picture initiative great engagement and an an incredible plan then we go through all of the steps to further outline it we did and this is over the next six months workshops demos conversations whiteboarding sessions turning all of those ideas and wants into a plan of action This again, this was a very complex opportunity. A few things that make this really unique. One, we were combining multiple solutions across cloud, security, AI, project management, combining all of that together to deliver one solution to the customer. Also, they had an existing contract in place for a small footprint. We were going to both break that contract and replace it with a much larger one without any interruption in what they were currently doing. So that was an entirely long process of the internal sell because our company had never done that exact type of contracting uh, change before. And then we also had some big financial and legal hurdles that we had to go through. So it was a a really large, really complex opportunity. And and like I said, it was over a hundred people across four different companies that were part of the account team and, and touched this deal.
0: Wow. 100 people. That is a lot of stakeholders. <laughs> this podcast is sponsored by OrgChart Hub, helping HubSpot customers get the big deals done since 2018. You can find more about them in the show notes or visit OrgChartHub.com slash podcast. <laughs> Where did things go off the rails?
1: Yeah, Andrew, they went off the rails a bunch of times and it was... It's an incredible learning and growth experience. I want to tell about a couple times. So one, with that internal sale, there were a few times when our company just said, this is too complicated. We can't do it. The contracting language, the contracting change that we were looking at doing hadn't been done before. And we were trying to sell our own company, our own executives on the idea of we should break this process that is a great process and in place for a reason but we should break it so that one, we can win a a massive transformational deal for the company. Two, really help one of our incredible clients to achieve something great. Three, give them the flexibility and really set the path to do some of these multi-business unit transactions in the future, combining different departments at our own company, different solutions at our own company together. That That was one big challenge. A second one was, bringing in other salespeople. So I I brought in other peers of mine that I had to manage and lead and be in charge of because I was the one managing this entire engagement and really sitting down with them and setting the guidelines for every call that this is our intention, this is what we're going to cover, and this is what the end result for the client will be at the end of the call. And really reiterate that To say that all of us together are going to win. We're going to win together, but you have to take my direction. And then one of the more pivotal points in this deal was this is a multi million dollar deal. It was pretty much my sole focus for four months, five, six, sometimes eight hours of meetings a day. And we had this. Incredibly compelling event that also took place at the end of the half, the fiscal year half. And there were two paths. There was one, we close this deal, I hit multiples of, of of my quota, really explode my numbers, have an incredible deal, large commission check, lots of attention, lots of recognition. Or two, we lose it. And that was Pretty much 90% of the revenue that I was focused on delivering. And this quarter fell, the end of the quarter was on a Friday. And we had, I had been working this deal every day. I mean, Andrew, I'm sleeping like a few hours a night by the last couple of weeks. I am putting all my energy and focus on this. I have the conviction that this will help this client be a better company. I know it's right for them. I know it's right for us. And We are just continually pushing through the various objections and stages of this decision. And it's Wednesday, two days before the end of the quarter. I wake up at 5 a.m. and check my email. We had just sent off the final contract the night before at midnight. And we get a message back from the head of procurement that said, Matthew, I'm sorry, we can't do this. We can't agree to these contracting terms. This isn't going to work out. And now that we kind of think about it more, this is a lot of money for the company to spend. We're a little worried about the project plan. Do we have all the pieces in place? We're thinking that we might just not go forward with it. And I am devastated. And as a seller, in that moment, you have two options. Option one is you say, thanks for the time. We did our best. And option two is I am going to explore every single option until we can find a way to make this work. And so immediately I call my boss. We get our lawyers on the phone. We work through the entire contract. We look at all of the areas where they have concerns, where they have objections. It takes us 24 hours to turn that all the way around. We had to get the global product officer on the phone. We had to get our legal counsel on the phone. We basically just had this Zoom meeting open for four and a half hours with people dialing in and out, commenting, approving, all of these things. We get it back to our head of procurement Thursday morning, and he said, this looks good, but we need six executive signatures on this contract, which we knew. We knew that ahead of time. Very important. Know the buying process, but we need six executive contract signatures on this. It's summer. We're coming up on a long weekend. People are already starting to take their vacation. I I think we have maybe a a 5% chance of getting this done. And we submit it the night before, the next morning. I am, as you can imagine, checking my email every five seconds. Do we have any answer? And Friday afternoon, I get a phone call, and it's the head of procurement. And he said, Matthew, you'll never believe this. I have the contract with all six executive signatures on it, and I'm about to hit send. And I do what every seller always does in that scenario. I go on mute. I jump up in the air. I just like scream with with victory and, and joy and come off mute and say, I knew we could do it. That's amazing. And we were able to close one of the largest deals in the region for the quarter with about six hours left before the end of business.
0: Wow. You had 100 stakeholders. You were dealing with procurement and then a huge internal sales process. Yeah. Sounds like you had a champion internally and externally. Was there one champion on, on both sides? You were, you were corralling a lot of different folks, but yeah, talk about how you, it, how you had a champion.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I, we didn't have just one. I mean, there were so many people. On the client side, we had the head of procurement, which was an incredible champion. He wanted to get the best deal for the company and knew that by doing this, they were going to save a ton of money. It was going to be a a big financial windfall for them. He was an incredible champion on the client side. We had the IT director who knew that this was going to streamline and improve operations. They were actually taking something on-prem and moving an entire segment of their IT portfolio and lifting and shifting it into the cloud as well as doing the you know kind of pulling together all of these different solutions and so he knew that the security was going to be better the ease of use was better their their head of manufacturing she knew that this was going to be better for their plants in countries all around the world And she was an incredible champion. And then internally, my boss, the VP of sales for the region, he was amazing. He was available early mornings, late nights. We had someone from our legal department that was a a champion from a legal perspective. She was responding within moments, even when I was on the call and we were talking through different clauses that they wanted to include. She kept a live feedback loop and was responding so there really were, there were so many champions that we had, which is the only way that this would have gotten done. If we only had one person pulling, I don't think this would have happened. But we had a whole army of people that were that were all in alignment that were that were moving forward and having hundreds of little conversations all around to just keep this driving.
0: That is that is very cool. And the fact that you were orchestrating multiple internal, external partners were involved. I'm sure it was uh I'm sure you learned a lot on in communication, project management and and just sheer persistence. Yeah.
1: I really did.
0: I I want to move along. You had put in the notes, need to start with the treasure map. Brian Burns, who's the one of the OGs of of the enterprise sales creator <laughs> space. Talk about that.
1: Yeah, that was the first sales course that I did. So the treasure map versus the treasure hunt, which Brian Burns, I credit him with coming up with this, but the treasure map is having an idea of where the treasure is buried, which is the deal that we wanna get done, and all of the steps that we need to get there, knowing those ahead of time. As opposed to a treasure hunt, which is how a lot of us approach sales, and that's we have the meeting, and then after the meeting we say, hey, what's next? And we're always just trying to look for that next step. We're hoping that the contact that we're talking to knows how to buy. We hope that they have all the process, a good handle on it. But the treasure map is we know every single step that we need to do. And we're just going to follow those steps and know where and when we will uncover that gold, which is the closed sale, It's the incredible project initiative that's going to improve the client's business, and it's all of the success and the recognition that comes from that. So going back to that client appreciation event, we had identified some of their major initiatives and put the entire plan in place before we even started. You know, they talk about begin with the end in mind. We knew when and where we were going to close the sale and what the end goal was going to be wasn't a very high probability of succeeding, but we had that plan in place from the moment we started talking about it. And that way, and Andrew, this is so important because I had a deep conviction in my soul that this was right for the client. And when you have that conviction, when you have the vision, when you have that end state of improved manufacturing, saving millions of dollars on maintenance, improving the efficiency, improving the throughput, better ease of use, better use of raw materials and resources, when you have all of that and you see it, all of the challenges along the way, they're not deal breakers. You can always push back. And when the client says, hey, we're a little busy, we're thinking of canceling this call on Friday, you have that vision to paint. I can't let you do that because as your trusted advisor, we need to get to this end state and we don't have an unlimited amount of time to get there. And being able to have that vision, that connection, that conviction is what allows you to push back, to paint the vision, to keep people driving and moving forward. That's the treasure map.
0: Starting with the end in mind and and setting up that that initial planning session, that initial customer event to to bring that treasure map to the surface or to to, to realize where where it could exist. Matthew, since that time have you been able to run this play again? Or have you been able to run this process? Is this a part of your operating rhythm as an account executive now? It sounds like such a unique deal, but also quite repeatable.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And it is. This has become a part of me as a, as a seller, as a leader. It's something I've, I'm have i continuously employing. I also have the success to, to know that large deals like this are possible, large complex opportunities that look like there's no chance we're ever going to get through all of the steps we need to do. They are possible and we can get there. And I was actually at the time of recording this, I was, I spent this week in Zurich with a client and we did a executive client appreciation dinner in Zurich. And so what works in the midwest of the us works over here in europe too so it is now part of part of the portfolio it is such a mutually beneficial experience too because you know one thing that i always try to do is i try to leave every company that i work with in a better place than when i started and that's that's my goal that's the intention. That's the ideal. The ideal is that every client, every territory, every role, every company that I work for, every client that I work with, I want to leave them in a better place than when I started. And these types of initiatives are so beneficial because we are providing a great financial benefit for the client. We're solving challenges and we're helping our organization win in the process. And we as sellers continue to get better and grow and learn more.
0: That is a great philosophy and approach for anyone to have success in their career. So very cool to set that up for us and to tell the story to to bring it to life. Matthew, to to close out, I want to shift open-ended question. How do you get better? This can be personally, professionally. Would love to to focus there.
1: Yeah, I, I do love this question. What I would say first is to make a decision that you'll never give up trying to get better. And in my life, I don't know I don't think I've ever been the smartest or the most organized person, but I have never stopped trying to get better. And I believe wholeheartedly that that's the most important aspect of a career of a professional is continuously trying to get better and and not giving up even if it feels like you have big setbacks. So for me, I do a number of things. I, I read, I listen to podcasts, I talk with other people, I share experiences. I, I put out a course, actually, and that helped me conceptualize and consolidate my ideas. I also recently started coaching one-on-one, more perhaps sellers that are, that are looking for that next level in their career. That helps me improve. I have to consolidate all of the things that I've learned over the past 12 years of selling and put it into easy, actionable steps and and easy, easy, actionable weekly plans. And guess what? I get better as a result of that. I see all of these things that I've learned and I have to look at them on a page and say, are you doing these things? All of these things that you've learned, are you doing them every day? So there's a lot of ways that I get better and practicing, learning from other people, sharing ideas, trying to give back to other people, share those lessons, help people that are lost and stuck. People reach out to me on LinkedIn that, that find the things that I write really helpful. And I get to hear what people are struggling with and that helps me get better too.
0: Nice. On the personal front, so you recently made a, a move and uh, what, what do you do personally?
1: Personally for fun, I love doing anything outside. Like we mentioned, I live in in Munich, Germany. It is basically Denver, but with castles. And on the weekends, I am running, biking, swimming, going hiking with my wife, camping. We are about to head in the winter here. I'm hoping to go skiing in the Alps, which I've never done before. And I have always been excited by that. So hoping to to get to do that. And yeah, love food and museums too. And there's plenty of that over here.
0: That is excellent. So we'll link up. We'll put your LinkedIn in the show notes. We'll put the link to your course. And anyone who's thinking about a trip or thinking about moving to Munich, Germany, they'll have to reach out to Matthew.
1: Please reach out. I would love to meet people over here.
0: Nice. Matthew, anyone else who you might want to hear on how the deal was done?
1: Yeah, I I like this question. So I really want to hear from Julia Demko. She is also at IBM. She's an absolute rock star. She has excelled in her career quite quickly. Actually, a couple of years ago, she was a BDR. And now she's an AE managing a territory and she's already closing some of the biggest deals that we are seeing in the business unit. And she is a genius for prospecting strategies and getting clients on the phone. So I would really love to hear from her.
0: That is awesome. We will reach out to Julia and get her on the podcast in 2024. Perfect. Thanks, Matthew. Well, appreciate everyone listening and take care.
1: Absolutely, Andrew. Thank you for having me. It's really been an honor.
0: I'm Andrew Capel. Thank you for tuning in to How The Deal Was Done podcast. Don't miss out on more inspiring stories from top sellers. Subscribe now to stay updated and motivated on your journey in sales.